live and pre-recorded. This is the Red Ticket Blues Podcast. I am Brian Buckley. This is hitting the internet on either May 11th or May 12th, depending on where you live. Um, if you're new to the show, or if you just want to hear me say it again, you can always listen or receive on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play. And remember to follow me or give me a try and become completely unfulfilled and unfollow me on Twitter at BrianBuck13 and at RedTicketBlues. So like I said in the last podcast, I probably should have released this earlier this week for time-sensitive information. But uh, I just wanted to talk about what a piece of garbage Matt Harvey can be. That piece of shit. Um, but uh, I had a lot of fun doing that. So, But a legendary columnist from the Boston Globe, legendary columnist in the city of Boston and even nationally, and that is Mr. Daniel Shaughnessy. Uh, we get into you know his job at the Globe, how there's a possible co- conflict of interest with John Henry being the owner of him and uh, of him of the Boston Globe and the Red Sox. Uh, some WEEI talk, Adam Jones at Fenway Park, and uh, you know runs a little bit on the short side, but uh, it was a it was a good conversation all in all. So enough of me just talking, just Mr. Dan Shaughnessy. He is a sports writer and columnist for the Boston Globe, Mr. Dan Shaughnessy. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, my pleasure. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, let's see. Dan, let's start here. It's it's an ugly start, but uh, what happened with Adam Jones earlier this this week at Fenway Park with the N-word being yelled at him and a bag of peanuts throwing at him? It's it's a long and not so you know big of a secret sometimes, the, the racial undertones of Boston. ESPN recently started this war with the city of Boston. Did you think before this incident that the city had improved its image considerably? You've been there a long time. Well, I think the city has improved uh, in reality. I think the image is always a hard thing to uh, to um, govern. You just don't know what it's going to be, and and uh, an episode that goes national changes the image and for the worse. So it's unfortunate. I think that uh, I think we deserve. I, I think it's. I'm not black. I don't know, but it's not a. In my view, it's gotten way better. Uh, if you're an African-American person living in Boston than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. But they, uh, the black people themselves would be better to answer that. I just think we're better than we used to be. But it doesn't mean that these things still don't happen. That's a totally fair answer. Uh, you, you've spent many nights there as a spectator, and obviously for years a uh, uh, you know, beat writer for the Boston Globe, the Red Sox. Have you ever heard anything close to the N-word or, or rumors from other people in Fenway Park? I have not heard anything myself, uh, but I've certainly heard you know others uh, talk about things. And you know, I I checked with the cop on the price thing from last year, price in the bullpen, and, right. and the cop validated that for me. And uh, he's not allowed to talk about it, but that's that's good enough for me that it did happen. And you just had, I mean, Red Sox players told Henry and Kennedy that they've heard it over the years. So, I mean, the notion that this is all being made up is preposterous, and it just makes us look worse when people go that route. It kind of brings me to my next point here. I mean, you're an employee at 98.5, the sports hub, and on the other station, WEI, you have some people skeptical of Adam Jones's claim or asking for proof. Uh, is that fair in a situation like this? Is there, or does it almost come across as victim blaming? Yeah, I think it's a mistake. I think it's a bad tack, and uh, um, maybe it, it sells or generates uh, listenership, whatever. But I, in fairness to EEI, I think, you know, uh, I've seen Tomasi and Reamer have, have gone the other way, so at least there's been some balance over there with with uh, opinions that uh, differ from some of the the narrative that's being driven elsewhere. Yeah, more of the morning show, obviously, with Kirk and Callahan. Uh, 
Like I mentioned, you're an employee of the Boston Globe for years, and in 2014, the owner of the Red Sox, John Henry, bought the Boston Globe. When it happened, did you think this makes my job more difficult with with a possible conflict of interest in John Henry serving over both entities? Well, it certainly is a conflict of interest. I mean, there's no question about it, and it's a, a perception. You're working for you know for the guy who owns the team, and you're covering the team. There's nothing. There's no precedent for that in American sports journalism that I'm aware of. Um, you, know, you had situations where the other way around, where the the news the news outlet owned the team. Um, in this case, the team basically owns the news outlet, and uh, it's it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. It, I don't think it's a good thing. Nothing anybody can do about it. Uh, it is. I mean, we could all resign, I suppose. I have no interest <laughs> in doing that. But it does compromise the work because everything that, that's done and our hard work of baseball people, Pete Abraham and Nick Cafardo, you know, their good work gets compromised because people can say, if they get a scoop, it's, oh, it was fed to them. And if they get beat on something, it's like, what the hell's the matter with them? And uh, uh, there's there's certainly been no competitive advantage for us uh, regarding this relationship other than the negative, which is to have people you know, question the work. And I've done my best to demonstrate independence. I think I've done a pretty good job at that. And I give John Henry credit there because I'm, I'm sure I'm not his favorite guy. And uh, yet I'm still allowed to do what I do. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're quite vocal here. You just said that it's a major conflict of interest. Has it gotten any easier since he purchased the team? Or is it just sort of, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with the flow? It, it exists. The conflict inherently exists as is, and it does not change. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. So uh, it's it's awkward. It's not good. I wouldn't recommend it, and I, I, I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> so uh, uh, going away from the Boston Globe for a second, I mean, when you decided to write the book with Terry Francona, I mean, did those same you know problems or concerns exist? I mean, that's an entire book. That's just not a column. Yeah, well, the timing of this was, I mean, for the book writing was fortunate in that uh, uh, the book was contracted in late 2011, it was written in 12, and it came out in 13 uh, before John oh, right. bought the team. So I, I would, we will never know. It's hard to imagine uh, that I would have had the license to, to work on that book um, had John Henry on the paper. And uh, uh, it was, you know, it was rough on the ownership because Terry was mad at him, and I was just doing my usual, you know, down the middle, here's what, here's what I know and think. But, uh, yeah, it was not a party starter uh, on Yaki Way, needless to say. And, and uh, I was fortunate that Marty Barron, then editor of the Globe, when the New York Times owned us, uh, allowed me to write that. Uh, just staying with the, the idea of conflict of interest for a second, you know, Boston used to be you know, renowned, known as a very tough place to play because of the media, you know, New York, Philly, Boston. However, you know, Boston recently, they, they've sort of become the, you know, this, this idea that it's a lot friendlier there. I mean, the, the, the media is maybe a little more cuddly with players, especially Red Sox players. I mean, you hear the David Ortiz charity where he flies guys down, I mean, to the Dominican Republic. Do you think there is a conflict there in that sense? I can't speak to the David thing. I, David and I do not have a relationship, and I've never been to the Dominican Republic. Uh, I think that in general people getting into the media, there's, there's a lot more fans writing for fans now. Right. And that kind of is, is what I call the Simmons effect. You know, it started out with a guy in his house, you know, who writes about the teams and he's, he's, he's not, I don't know, not able to go out and do any first primary source stuff, just, just watch TV and write his opinion. And so you create generations of that. And then the people getting into the business uh, don't want to make trouble and they, 
they like the teams. They want good things for the teams and, and, you know, knock yourselves out. But, uh, it's fans writing for fans is, is a whole separate category that I have no interest in. So what do you think about that? I mean, obviously you have no interest in it. I mean, your, your, your reputation. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you can't, you know, you're the old guy, uh, get off my lawn. There's no sense being at the moon. It, It exists, but you know, hopefully I think at the globe, we still have people who are journalists and who cover the team and who cover the teams and, and bring uh, even-handedness and skepticism and challenge. and you know, But there's a lot of people getting into the business who don't want any trouble, and they, they get into it cause, just because they like the teams, and I'm not really that interested in, in going, going there. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Bill Simmons started that, and it's to a certain extent they've, they've these entities have hired actual writers, you know, professional writers with Bleacher Report, SB Nation. I mean, those are fans writing for fans who, you know, are a bit reluctant to say anything negative about the teams. You are certainly not that. Uh, you you've been at the Globe since 1981. You are sort of the anti cuddly journalist. You're known throughout the region, the nation, and. The name Shaughnessy, I mean, whether it's fair or unfair, kind of conjures up people to say he's kind of a jackass or, you know, he's there to just be negative. I mean, when that started happening, did you embrace that or did you say, I, I got to change? I No, I don't change at all. I just, the, my opinions are my opinions. There's, there's, it's just how I feel about things. And um, I understand it. it's, it's not as well received now by oh, that God, legion no. because because of the people who want to read fans and they should go and read them, but they're not going to get that from me. And, but increasingly as the marketplace is, is more dominated by, by that, that kind of uh, coverage or, or reporting, then it just, it makes the old school stand out more and uh, neutrality and subjectivity is viewed as negativity. Uh, back to WEI for one second. You, you have a checkered relationship with uh, the morning host, Kirk Menahan. You guys have had issues. You're on his podcast. One day he praises you. The next day he trashes you. Is this wild, I'm going to hate everything persona, that he, the shtick that he does on the show? Is this real or is this just uh, purely for entertainment purposes? I have no idea. What, you know, <laughs> I guess it's working for him and good luck to him. I hope he's okay. and uh, It's not really worth paying much attention to at this point. So uh, you know, Jerry is someone I have a relationship with, and we were friends a while ago. And and I, you know, I, I I wish those guys luck. I just wish they'd lighten up a little bit. And I'm not sure what drives the media on media crime. I guess that that sort of sells or whatever. But there's there's certainly a lot of it. Do you, <laughs> I mean that is the whole uh, idea regarding their show? I mean, do you think that's a successful? Uh, you know, platform to keep going? Or do you think this is sort of a shooting star where people are into, you know, like you said, media on media crime? Yeah, I, I don't think we're all that interesting. But if, if that's what they if that's where they go, that's where they go. There's nothing we can really do about it. And we only have so many brain cells to spend. So you know, just uh, you know, be judicious with what you listen to. Uh, so let's talk uh, sports here real quick. The Red Sox team, they're 15 and 12. For, for early May, not awful. Uh, what would you what would you look at as the major problem you see after a month of baseball with this team? Well, it's been weird. There's not really a, you know, their on-base percentage and, and run scored are not really, they don't walk hand in hand. So they've been leaving a lot of guys on base and double plays. And they just haven't scored. I, I don't think scoring should be a problem for them down the road. I don't think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's impossible for them to play themselves out of this thing. So, yeah, they should contend all summer, which is what we ask. And if Price comes back, it's going to be a big thing for them. they got the black hole at third base now. We don't know where that's going. So uh, they've certainly had issues. But, yeah, 15 and 12 is, is respectable at this juncture. And, and it's certainly been entertaining over there. They've had a million stories coming out of there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
including this one, is this sort of a just story made up, or do you know if there's any division in the Red Sox locker room with uh, Dustin Pedroia calling out Matt Barnes? Is, is that just for media fodder, or do you think that uh, that could actually cause a problem? I, you know, I know that, you know, Pedroia got kicked around quite a bit uh, by that, but I don't think he was in the clubhouse. Um, uh, my suspicion is, and my secondhand information is that most, most of the players are with him on that. Uh, the Sox have not, you know, covered themselves with glory in this whole Machado thing in any way. And, uh, again, my view is the Orioles have done everything correctly and been punished for it. You know, he's, Machado's slide's not good, but I thought, you know, Bundy hitting, uh, he had bets uh, was was you know handled correctly, but Eddie Rodriguez couldn't <laughs> couldn't find the spot, throwing him a shadow, and then of course uh, sailed through behind him, and and uh, then the guy gets ejected for throwing a curveball. It's just been it's been really crazy over there. They the old two teams that do not like each other. So uh, who knows what will happen in the last game. Maybe this is just sort of the uh, moronic uh, fan in me, but I feel like they should just sort of fight and uh, get it over with. Yeah. I mean, the continued throwing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, take take your best five guys and just do a tag team five on five. There so you go. Uh, real quick, you're in Washington uh, covering the Celtics. Uh, where? How far do you see this team going? I mean, I, I personally thought if they won two games against Washington because they did not match up with them well, if they won two games, that'd be an accomplishment. Uh, I'm already sort of, you know, they, they won quite handily. So, do you, do you see them taking on the taking on the, the the Wizards here, and if they have a chance against the most likely Cavaliers? Well, the, uh, the Celtics certainly are in a good position to win the series, and if they win the third game, that's pretty much got it locked up. But it's going to be hard. Washington's good. I wouldn't dismiss them. You know, they had a 16 point lead out of the jump in the first game, and 14 point lead in the third quarter. They've you know they don't play very smart, and they don't have good depth, but uh, they're they're estimable for Boston, I think. So. Celts got to be feeling good, you know. Six straight on a roll, played you know one of the best quarters of the season in the third quarter the other day. And um, but uh, Cleveland's where it ends if they get there. I think they will get there. And uh, you know what I'm seeing on a daily basis from LeBron James is is really remarkable. And uh, what we saw in Boston, of course, a month ago when they came in and decided to play. So yeah, I think that's where it ends there. Okay, real quick before you go, I have three rapid fire questions for you. You ready? All right. Chad Finn was on the podcast a few months ago and said Boston could use another major sports radio station. Do you agree with him, or is that overkill at that point? That's amazing. I can't. I mean, good for Chad. I, I can't imagine. Well, he wants that, obviously, but. I mean, we support, we support too, which is amazing. And, you know, what Nesson and Comcast do as well is we support a lot of commentary. Uh, number two, has David Ortiz played his last baseball game? I believe so, but what a story it would be if he came back later this summer. I, I, I'm i a Yankee fan, but I could totally see him coming back right after the All-Star break, something easing right in, skipping spring training, and helping them out if they needed a jolt. Cool. Uh, and the last one, Brad Stevens. Does he win an NBA championship in the next five years? No. Is that because of LeBron James going through the East every time? Well, yeah. I mean, I just don't think they have the star power. I don't see. I don't see where it's coming from. Um, yeah, I, I, Minnesota's the next. The next thing, you know, with Towns and Wiggins, I think you need guys like that. That's true. They don't have them. He's a sports writer, columnist for the Boston Globe. Dan Shaughnessy. You can follow him on Twitter. Dan underscore Shaughnessy. Dan, thanks a lot for coming on the podcast. Okay, nice talking to you. So there he is, Mr. Dan Shaughnessy. Um, I have no idea why I said it was a Yankee fan there, and it added absolutely nothing to the conversation. And if anything, it made it more awkward. So uh, good job out of you, Brian. All right. Yeah. All right. 
Really, really know the scene there. Really, really set it well. Um, but again, I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, we will have a guest next week, I believe, later in the week. Earlier in the week, you will hear me talk a little NBA playoffs. The the Rockets just said goodbye. James Harden shit the bed, did nothing. I did not see the game because I bet the under, and I do not watch games where I bet the under because I cannot sit there and root for, you know, just nothing. Uh, it's 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 a difficult process, but I got through it. Obviously, I won two fifteen under. Yes, uh, I think it was like one eighty six, but um. I think it was that low. Anyways, I'm sure this is really, really interesting to you. Remember, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play. Remember to uh, leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, because uh, I would greatly appreciate it, and I'd consider it a personal favor. Follow me on Twitter, at BrianBuck13, and at Red Ticket Blues. With all that being said, I'm out of here!